I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. On Patreon. Exclusively for you. For you, <laughs> with Drew. We're going we're gonna to need to do a different intro now because yeah. it's not just the podcast. It's the special exclusive subscriber only continuing saga of podcast. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll, we'll think of something. We probably won't though. We're just saying that. And every time we'll do something a little different and we'll keep saying we need to come up with something new and we won't. So whatever. Right. Yeah. You guys are getting more of us, but you're getting like the, I don't know what this is the off season. It's not the off season, <laughs> the JV team. <laughs> I'm, I'm up, I'm up on my sports stuff right now. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. No, there, there's no junior varsity about this. This is, this is still varsity. Very much varsity. Oh yeah, it is. Please. You never played any sports in school. Did no, you? no. I was just a nothing. big old drug addict. That's what I did. <laughs> 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 I was a little chunky. I was the kid that refused to run. Oh my God. Wait, side what? note. In my yeah. most recent tennis game that I played with these ladies in a little right. tennis group tennis lesson that I didn't yeah. know, one of the women was my gymnastics coach slash PE teacher slash athletic, I don't know what, from my high school, from Harvard Westlake. Really? Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. I only, I I stopped competing in, gymnast, in gymnastics in eighth grade because I grew too tall. And so that was the only year I had it with her and my only year I did it. And she's like, I remember you. And I'm like, I don't think you do, but that's okay. That's wild to me because back then a teacher for us when we were in like junior high and high school was so old. Like, oh like God. They're, just, they're old. Now they're like, yeah, whatever. If they're like five, 10 years older than us, like no big deal. So she must've only been, she's not like 90. Like she's not even, right. she's maybe right. in her. That's what I'm saying. Early in her mid fifties. She's probably 10 years older. Early so mid fifties. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I five, know, 10 years so older. Weird. Back then. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Crazy. I know. Now you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Same way. Like if you dated somebody four years older than you or younger than you now, it's nothing. Like four years is nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. Yeah. Not a big deal. No. In high school. Right. A ninth grader and a 12th grader. Oh, like, please. Scandal. Wow. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I, know, I just thought Gnarly. that was so crazy. I like those things. I know. You don't realize. And then you see the connection. And here in LA, this is, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. This is going to make sense in a second. I promise you all. Okay. The idea that, oh, it, it's, it's a huge world and LA is so spread out. It's really small in other respects. It's tiny. Especially like if you were like us and went to like a small school in LA, a lot of the small school people know a lot of the small school people and you, and you know, different circles and you could find somebody that you knew in common pretty quickly. Oh, right. Definitely. It's a very small, yeah. LA is a very small world in a lot of ways. Right. Sometimes it's right. hard to get out. <laughs> you just, everyone, you know, knows someone, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, she dated my sister. Or he dated my, you're like, oh, fine. That was when I left LA, I left the music business and lived in DC and went to grad school and was coming back wanting to do nonprofit work and getting into social work. And I was worried that all of my friends and all the people that I knew were all like music and entertainment based people. Like, how am I going to have friends? How am I going to like, I'm, I'm pigeonholed. 
And it was just very weird that it was just a different circle of friends. That's how you and I rekindled our romantic love. Totally, totally. And it was it was a crazy love affair when I saw you. That was, <laughs> but that, it's funny because we saw each other in our 20s. Yeah, and, and then we again. both still like punks. Yeah. But then in our 30s, it was like, yeah, I'm a therapist. Yeah, I'm a therapist. Like, say what? Like, where do you work? I work here. I want to work there. Okay, come work here. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. That, that kind of is. It's literally what happened. And then I bailed. It, yeah, it wasn't a romantic love affair, but it, it's a, it is a love no. affair forever. Yes, it's a platonic love affair. Yes. Deep affection for each other and nothing romantic about it. Gross. Sorry, I just find you repulsive. <laughs> gross. He's so gross. <laughs> no big deal. And you have a horrible sense of humor. You laugh at all my jokes. I Something's know. Something's wrong with you. That's not, you're not wrong. <laughs> that is accurate, I actually. I know. It's like, can you trust me? We're not sure. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see. You know what else we'll see? What? <laughs> we'll Do see what's happening with Drew in a second. We will, because <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on it. Oh yeah. Well, let's, let's get going. And this, I, I dig this cause this is, we're, we're in the holiday season with Drew, like really in it because we just had Thanksgiving. We're gearing up for Christmas. This is, this is holiday time and a lot going on. So you guys gear up, have some eggnog, put on some, I'd say put on some Christmas music, but you shouldn't cause you're about to listen to a podcast. Yeah. So don't do that. So don't put on music. No, but hit the eggnog. For and, sure. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back in a, in a bit. He likes to watch TV a lot, too. I think it's the funniest thing he does. He likes watching basketball. It's his favorite. Uh, really? Because I think he he watches the ball. It's really funny. He'll sit here and, like, watch the game and, like, like turn his head and, like, watch the ball. Oh, interesting. So I always try and leave basketball on for him. Yeah, my dog likes documentaries. <laughs> you, got, you have a smart dog. <laughs> you have a learned dog. Mine's just, just a mutt. Follow the ball, right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, it's super funny. And I think that's my favorite thing about him. Because I can't ask anything. Same with my old dog. You know, it was never like right. communication relationship where like I can ask him what's wrong. Right. I just kind of got a vibe off him and, and kind of see how that goes. Totally. I mean, even seeing the blood and, and the nail, like you go into that mode. And I think that's a different mode than the one we've talked about where you go into that hyper alert. Let me take care of everything and let me do this. What was your level of like anxiety or panic or alarm when that happened? Well, it's funny you asked that. I think I was also hyper vigilant because my mom was freaking out on some shit. Last night she texted me like, out of the blue and then I saw her like typing and then she didn't text me back. And I was like, mom. And then I saw her typing again, nothing. And I was like, all right, well, like, like I love you. Like, I hope you have a good night. So what did that mean to you? At this point in my life, it's just like, okay, like, here we are again. This is your choice. And like, it's, it's annoying at this point. Like, it's just like, you've had 10 good months. Right. Why the fuck are we going back now? I was going to call my dad today just to kind of check in with him and see how everything is and get more understanding of where she's at and to check in on him to make sure he's okay. I don't know. It's weird having that feeling of knowing I'm not going home for Christmas this year and I'm okay with it. I'm just trying to navigate my Christmas this year and what that means to me. 
I feel like now that I'm not going home and I don't necessarily have that many friends or family down here, I don't really have anything to do. And so I'm almost taking like a side or a backseat in this and kind of along for the ride, which I don't necessarily love because I want to control my holidays and not experience somebody else's holidays again. Cause I feel like that's what I've done my whole life. Okay. What do you want to have? What is important to you? Well, and that's the thing that I, I don't know. Cause I, I think the family, the time, the, the relations, what's really important to me, but I don't know if I'm going to really find that this year. And right. so like, even like when I, I think I went to her dad's for Thanksgiving and like that was, it was a really good time and like really fun and all that shit. But I still felt kind of like the black sheep of sorts. Not that I didn't feel like I belonged, but it wasn't mine. Yeah. And that, that idea of what is yours, what makes, what makes it yours? How I act and how I be around people is what makes it mine. But like, even then I feel like I put on like my salesman face. I try and put on not a show per se, but like, I want to be happy and fun and energetic and, and all of that when sometimes I'm just not. And I think that's the hard part. Mm. It's interesting because you're describing almost two different modes of like home for the holidays. One is being around family, being relaxed, being like comfortable and, and easy. But you're also talking about getting up for something, like almost being at an event. What I'm hearing is more something that's about feeling displaced than it is disconnected. I think it's one of those weird ones where I overthink it a lot when my brother shipped out. Right. That was kind of like, I don't want to say mending me and my brother's relationship because I think that's kind of started bachelor party of like getting that mindset. Mm -hmm. But I think I was finally in a spot where I could take action on how I felt. And so I felt like I was taking a step out of my comfort zone, uh, going out of boundary for a second. I reached out to him a couple of times and, and this last time me and him had a really good conversation and we're getting to a point where we're talking. Yeah. Which is amazing. His wife, they've probably talked about our relationship. And so she probably has a Polaroid of what she thinks it is, which is fine. And like, that's human, human nature. And so I think all in all, I would like to have a relationship with her as far as a family setting goes, but it's just never been there. And like, that's okay. It's just not, it's not how I want it for sure. Yeah. And it's tough because she's, <laughs> she's your family, but she's not necessarily your friend. It's up to her with whether she does or not. You and your brother have been mending. I hear you being willing to make an effort. You're recognizing how you want to be with family. How they respond is out of your control. It's funny you said it like that because I was, I was literally having this conversation the other day with my homeboy. He grew up gangbanging, robbing people with AK-47, the whole kit and caboodle, right? Right. And so now he moves out to LA. So we start talking about owners. He's like, fuck them. <laughs> They're going to get theirs. All this shit, right? And right. so I'm like, nah, man, like, like, don't worry about that. Like, just be a good person and like, you'll, you'll be okay. And they'll get theirs and everything works out the way it should. Right. Like saying that to him really helped me see how I'm viewing my relationships now in the sense of, it doesn't matter if she ever wants to be friends or be in my life. I don't think that's ever going to stop me from reaching out. I'll never stop trying to be there for her. Even with my brother, I would never turn my back on him. Like there's never something that either of us could do to where I don't ever want to talk or see to him again. And I, and I realized kind of like, that's my mentality on like a lot of relationships and my pendulum 
I think a lot of the times people fucked me over and I, I ran back in the sense of like, you're a good person. You got a good heart. Like you just fucked up. It's okay. Right. And now I'm understanding what that boundary looks like. And, yeah. and it's okay to still get hurt in those situations. I just found that like, I don't want to say I'm more guarded, but I'm a little bit more careful in how yeah. I'm moving and how I'm talking in those. And so to bring it back to brother, wife, I think I'm a little bit more structured in my relationship with her and understanding that hmm. it could be a relationship. It could not be. And I'm okay either way. That doesn't deter that I still love you as family. Yeah. Oh man, I'm going to pan out for a second. I don't know. Maybe we'll speak to you being a good Christian, maybe just a good person. I don't know. Of The whole world is my family. It's I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to make an effort and I'm going to be here. If you hurt me, that's going to hurt. Okay. And then I might be a little more cautious. But what I'm not doing is going, well, fuck you, I'm out, and run and cut them off and cut them out. That's one side of the pendulum. The other side I heard you mention was I'm also no longer going to go, oh, well, you hurt me, but you didn't really mean it. You're a good person. Oh, you went and slept with somebody else? But I understand you're just having difficulties on your own. And that's cool. We can work through it. You know, yep. you're, yeah. right? and you're smiling and nodding and, and you're feeling that. And that's generally speaking, what I hear louder than anything is I'm starting to have a sense of my own boundaries. What's okay for me? Not making excuses for other people, not running from other people, just going, I know I'm good. So you can be however you're going to be. There's something about you that I've, gotten to know where you like to be this way to everyone. This is just you being the kind of person you are. That's why I pan out and say, well, everybody's family in that sense. How they respond to you, how they respect your boundaries, how they are, determines how involved you're going to be with them. I think that's my other thing too that I've been talking about and having conversation about is having a smaller friend group now versus a couple of years ago where I had a lot of acquaintances because I've realized that no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm going, no matter where they're at, where they're going, it's a phone call away. Right. And whether they come and go, that's still okay. But for right now where I'm at, it feels really good in not having to see them every day or talk to them every day and still mm. feeling cared for. Yeah. Which is still a new thing for me because it used to be Oh, well, friend hasn't called me in a week and I only call him. So I guess we're not friends anymore. My perception and perspective of a relationship is just changing. And, and not to say I don't still try and get answers or, or responses out of people in the way I want it. I, I still do that. But I think I'm becoming a lot more aware of where I stand on their responses. I'm hearing in you a shift from that codependent style of relating to people and connecting with people and attaching to people and more of an interdependent. Not talking to somebody for a month doesn't mean they don't love you. They might still love you or care about you. They're not feeding that codependent piece. There's a story that I doesn't sound like you're creating for them, why they're not talking to you, which was a part of how you have been in relationships. Oh, they're not talking to me. I must have done something wrong. What did I do? How do I make it up to them? What gift can I give them? That's fiction. It's coming from you and something that we're projecting onto them and onto a story that we'll create. Oh, they don't like me because this, 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 this. That's not necessarily true. We have no idea. And there's an older version of you or younger version, depending on how you say it, <laughs> that would create the story for them because you're projecting something that you were holding 
I'm not good enough. I did something wrong. And it doesn't sound like that's as strong in you right now. No. And I think to put it into practical terms for myself too, gift giving this year, I just feel differently about it. I don't feel like I have to buy love this year. And I want to say this right because I've been saying it in my head and it's kind of confused me. So I want to project it correctly so I can hear myself say it. Yeah. But I feel like this is the first time where the gift itself is still nice. It's still cool, but it's cool to me. And, and it's allowing me to give the gift as, hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you. Not, hey, I hope you really like this gift because this is the value I'm putting on a relationship. Mm. I like that. I mean, you've been, you've been working towards this a lot and putting it into practice like you are is awesome with something that means something to you. So you're not just giving them a gift. You're inviting them into your world. It's an extension of being vulnerable and, and allowing the relationship to reach an, a more intimate level. I'm trying to like share my feelings so that they understand of where my mindset was giving the gift. Mm-hmm. Because that's so much more important to me than the actual gift itself, right? Because it's new to me, right? And so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how I react of actually giving a gift. I love giving gifts, but I hate giving gifts because I hate seeing the reaction of like good or bad. Mm. Um, and the anticipation always kills me. And so now that I'm going about it in a way of like, well, there is no monetary value in this of like, if you're upset with the gift, well, then you don't like where our relationship's at. Whereas now it's, it's more so I feel vulnerable. I'm just interested to see how I feel going through all of this, especially with my mom, where she's at right now. What's the important part to you in all this? The important part to me is that people know I'm thinking about them. Yeah. There you go. It's gift giving, not reaction seeing. (laughs) (laughs) It's about giving the thing. I mean, sure. Seeing the reaction is sometimes a validation. You know, giving a good gift is awesome. And when you see somebody gets a good gift, they're like, awesome. This is great. What you're talking about and the thing that's important to you is I want you to know I'm thinking of you. And what you've been working on for a year, year and a half now is you. You could give a gift that's a card and just say, hey, I wasn't able to get a gift, but you mean so much to me. And I just wanted to know I'm thinking about you over the holidays and so grateful that you're in my life. That's huge. I mean, it's sort of like when you were a kid and you used to get presents. If you ever had anybody going, read the card first, you're like, screw the card, show me the gift. What did I get? What's my new toy? I still have all my cards from like when I was like eight. Right. And uh, that's always been the most important thing to me. But my fear in that is that because I get so emotional about shit like this is like because I'm so emotionally available to receive a card and appreciate it for what that is. I'm trying to understand the connection and how my emotions to something like that can relate to somebody else. I'm trying to find the people that relate that same way to me, even though I can't. What do you mean you can't? Going back to the, there's no good people in LA. I already know where I'm at by saying this. I already know. Mm-hmm. But in my real day-to-day life, I feel like I'm almost astroting myself again in the sense of like, oh, well, I'm so emotional. Like I enjoy cards and all this shit so much. Like you wouldn't. I'm just kind of like writing it off where I don't know their response and I don't know how they react to it. That sounds protective. 
yeah, it, and it, it, and I feel like it's very controlling too. Mm, yeah, tell me about that. That's being controlling and protective. I think I want to give the best gift emotionally, materialistically, all that shit mm-hmm. because. I love this because I want to be remembered at the end of the day in whatever way that is. And if I have to buy that, if I have to go into debt for that, if I have to do whatever it takes to be remembered at the end of the day. Right. Because I remember being a kid and and that one present to me and who that came from, that emotion and being like, oh, well, grandpa really cared about me that year. I think that's almost the twist I'm taking on it now of just wanting Mm -hmm. to be remembered by people in my family other than being a good person. Yeah. How's that hit you saying that out loud? <laughs> I think it broadens my perspective on why I do a lot of the things I do. And we might be able to add another word to controlling and protective. I don't know if you can see it. Scared. Yep. There it is. Scared. What's the scared? I think the scared's coming from mom and dad leaving as a kid mm-hmm. and not, not having enough trail with them. To remember like what that is with them. And so I would look to objects and shit that they would give me as like a some sort of a mile marker. And I kind of feel the love through the object. Whereas now it's like if I don't have anything tangible, even when we went on trips, this makes so much more sense now. I remember one time we went to uh the Mount Rainier National Park mm-hmm. and my parents were in the gift shop and they were like, yo, like pick some out you want as like a memory thing, right? I remember the two things I got from this trip. One was a little pocket knife. It was a little, uh, it, was, it was wood on the outside. It said Mount Rainier on it. It was like a Swiss army knife, right? Mm-hmm. I was super excited. And as soon as I walked out of the store, I was like, fuck, I should have got something else. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm eight. Like, I'm never, I'm going to lose this. Oh my God. Like, I'm not going to remember this trip now. And I, I literally started hyperventilating. And mm. then uh, the second thing I got from that trip was a stick. It was a walking stick that I whittled with this knife, right? And, and so I got it all smooth and perfect for me to walk down with. And then my old dog took it and, and ran with it as a stick, right? He was just fucking around with it. And yep. uh, chewed it all up, fucked it all up. And I was devastated. I was devastated. And I took all the mm. pieces and put it in my closet and, and put it, like, away so nobody would ever see it, nobody would ever touch it, but I still had the stick. And so, yeah, no, it's crazy that I'm putting, I think, timelines with objects to feel love in a way in a sense what we're talking about is impermanence something not lasting forever that stick didn't last forever but i can preserve it in pieces and tuck it away same baby blanket right right i wonder if you walked out of mount rainier if your souvenir was like one of those giant oversized lollipops right what do you think that would be like for you or for somebody because it might be hard to see it for you yeah, for somebody, I think enjoying the moment, it's non-lasting. Like, this is going to be gone in, what, like an hour maybe? And completely just in the moment, enjoying it, looking around, enjoying the mountain, licking my lollipop type of shit. For me, if I got a lollipop, I wouldn't even open it. I'd fucking tuck that shit away. And a hundred years later, I'd come back and be like, oh, here's my moldy old lollipop. But it was a good memory. Yep. It's something that our memories last. The things don't, but we try to preserve them because we want to hold on to things. We want to control things. We don't like that things will go away. Your parents will eventually go away. We don't like that. And what we want to lean into are the moments that we had them here. The moment that I had that lollipop, that stick that my old dog mangled. 
I get it. That's why we keep certain things. So many people have a shoebox of memories. Like, oh, here are love letters I got from high school. Granted, that was only a few years ago for you, but you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> 20, 30 years later, here's that lollipop I got at Mount Rainier. It, it carries meaning and significance, and we love those things because they'll remind us of moments, and the moments were so powerful and impactful. I can hear a shift in you of like, I want to create present moments. And still, you know, it's not like, hey, we just flip the switch and you're, no, I still want to preserve them. I, I want to remember them. I want to have something. I want to hold on to things. I've got a colleague that says it, it's all relating to death anxiety. We don't want to die. We don't want to not be here. For some, life ending is a gift because it means we get to appreciate the life when we have it. If it didn't end, there's so much we just wouldn't care about. Yeah. And, and I was trying to remember this one guy, he said it, he's basically like, when death comes, I hope it finds you living. Like everybody dies, but like death isn't death. It's like, uh, you should be living while you got it. Right. And, and I think that's, again, the perspective or perception change that I kind of see going on. Whereas right. now I'm more looking at the life I get to go live because it's going to happen anyway. I'm going to die eventually, but I don't, I don't really know what that timestamp is. And I think right. that's a lot more freeing in the sense of like, okay, well, let's get a lot of shit done in the next 60 years because we're not going to be able to do it again. Yeah. And that's what we talked about kind of at the beginning of doing all this with each other. Like I want to have an impact and leaving a mark to a degree, giving a gift that makes an impact in somebody's life. And there is a little bit of, I think, healthy ego where I want to see that impact. Of course, we want that validation, which is different than reassurance. It's just that validation that I had an impact. Cool. We will want to hold that and bottle that and check in on it all the time. And that's when we got to go, oh, wait, this is about me right now. I'm feeling like I need to have a bigger impact on the world or on people. I'm afraid of my own impermanence, things going away, me going away. That's when it'll hit that existential anxiety. The longest I've always, I don't want to say I've welcomed death. You know, I, I'm not the type of like, come now, like quick, quick, quick. Um, <laughs> right. But I've, ne I've never felt the, the anxiety of death or the aftermath for myself. For other people dying, I hate it. It's the worst shit in the world to me. But for me and myself, it's almost like a, a release to not feel this shit anymore. And now I'm almost thinking the opposite of that. Hmm. my impermanence and and wanting to impact the world as I see it and the people around me. I mean, death could happen at any point. Like, and as I'm getting older, as I'm passing this hump of 25 and, and getting to the other side and feeling it, my body feels that I can't go to sleep at 2 a.m. anymore. You know, I just can't. Right. More, my mortality is becoming a lot more real to me. Now I have an opportunity to experience a different type of Christmas that I haven't seen before mm. while still going about it the way I want to go about it. Because I can still go into a house and love people and, and feel the love of a family, whether it's yeah. my immediate family or not. Going through this one unknowingly, it's given me an opportunity to challenge myself and have a little more courage in this scaredness. Yeah. Because this is probably the most uncomfortable season of my life. And now going through it, not alone, but without like friend, family, and, and like my really like the people I walk through shit with. And I'll have a girlfriend for sure, but a little right. different because it's her family. 
Sure. And so I'm very excited to kind of see how this navigation of the next week and a half, two weeks go and kind of challenging myself to walk through it. And go back to challenge versus adventure. It's an adventure to do it because it's not, let me get through these holidays. It's let me be present for these holidays. The constant will be you. If you bring you and your holiday cheer and your humanity and your sense of, I really want to be present with you for this, then that's the Christmas spirit. Then you can be anywhere for Christmas at any time. I can hear it wanting to come from you and still wanting the connection from people, but you're not dependent on the connection. The X factor is how they're going to respond, whether it's giving a gift and seeing the reaction when they open it. That's the variable. We don't know how they're going to respond or react. What we can know is how I'm going to give things out. Sometimes we'll feel a wound and you'll go, oh man, Doug, I put it out there here, here, and here, and I got burned here and here. And we'll, we'll process that because that still stings. I think overall though, what you give out, you know, the true gift that you give is you. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Like I know that's what it's all about. I just want to focus on it. Well, you are. I mean, you're not just trying, you're doing. It's happening. I feel a lot more active. That's a great word for it. I feel a lot more active in my day-to-day life in the sense of my emotions are active and I'm, I'm experiencing them again. And we are back. Indeed we are. And I will just say, I'll preface, I should have prefaced in the preface, but I'll say it in the, man, what's the opposite of preface? Postface. Suffice. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That we started talking, Drew and I, I mean, you guys heard almost the beginning of the episode, like we were talking about his dog. And I think the thing that you didn't hear is his dog had an accident in yeah, the house. we didn't. And had a cut. Yes. He cut, like, I think his nail was bleeding. Um, so he had some wound on his paw and, and Drew didn't know what it was. And he was freaking out. And he was like, yeah, yeah sorry, I was just freaking out because my dog was bleeding and I, I didn't know if I should take him to the vet. So that kind of happened right before, I think before we hit record. Yeah. Because I wrote in one note, did his dog hurt himself? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Yes. But we, we did get to, we did get to start out hearing about how much his dog likes watching basketball. And (laughs) I thought that was just so fucking cute. Like, and I'm the same. I, no matter what I, it's not basketball, but like, I always put the TV on for the dogs before I leave the house. Cause for any animal, I just feel like they like it. The funniest thing is my old dog, Franklin, love that guy. I would leave the TV on for him when I left and I try to put something like whimsical or something on for him. Like, I, I don't know, just whatever has good sound. Mm-hmm. That will be something that might entertain him or keep him company. And I went out of town once and my, my dog sitter is this guy that was like the, like a great dog sitter in like the most Phoebus area would, would do walks in Griffith park for hours. And this pretty much just this, this gay guy who was nothing but smoking pot all the time and was just happy to like, he literally said, as long as you've got Bravo and I can smoke weed outside, I'm happy. Like, perfect. Cool. Go for it. So (laughs) I come back in town and Franklin now develops a affinity for watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Nice. I don't know how, I guess it was on a lot when this guy was, was dog sitting. 
but he even said to me like, yeah, I think he likes Bravo. And like, right. He likes the energy of Queer Eye. Like he loved that show. That is so, fantastic. Aww. There you go. That is so cute. Oh, uh, Drew sort of dropped something, which was like his mom texted him and he freaking out. And what I took from it, which was amazing, was that he didn't really react even though she didn't right. text back. He's like, all right. But he said something like, damn, I'm like 10 months. You've been doing great. And now this, did she relapse? Like what was the, she freaked out in a text, but I wasn't sure if like 10 months, he was like 10 months and you're doing great. No, I, I think he and I were talking about something at the beginning of the year, like er, early on. Mm-hmm. So it had been like 10 months since the thing that we talked about, since talking about, not being so hypervigilant about mom. So okay. he was referencing like, I, I don't remember if it's me or him that said like it'd been 10 months, 10 months and already look at that. I think that's what it was. Okay. Or it was a reference to like his brother's wedding. And we were talking about his mom relapsed at the wedding. Yeah. You remember that? And yeah. now we're 10 months later and look at that. It's not phasing him. And that was okay. why he was talking about the dog. Yeah. And I made the segue with him of having that sort of hypervigilance and not knowing what was okay. And he was yeah. pretty chill about it to right. And how, how was that with your mom being able to relate to that? I think, I, I, I don't remember if I did it or he did it, but it was kind of cool. Like being able to just see the way he is and the way he responds to the quote unquote crisis yeah. is mellowing out. It's not like it was 10 months ago. Totally. I love that for him. I thought that must be so relieving. Relax. Yeah. Relief. Like not to engage in that and not to even have those feelings of his feelings now are just like, all right. Well, and that's the, and what he talks about directly next is almost what you're talking about that, that relief and not having to like, put up that hypervigilant front and, and that making sure everything's okay. When he was talking about being home for the holidays and right. being able to be comfortable someplace versus right. like gearing up in some way, like even if it was his girlfriend's family, like I still have to get up for that. I still have to put something on for that. So that idea of just being able to relax a little bit and not worry all the time. Yeah. And I look, you're going to your, you know, he was saying he's not going home for Christmas and he wants to try to have some control of his, over his own holidays and Thanksgiving, he went to hers and how he was saying, yeah, I, w- I just want to be able to not have to basically put on a happy face. Well, right. if you're going to a friend's house or if you're going to like, basically if you're going to anyone's house for a fucking holiday dinner, put on a happy face for the most part. Like I get it. I, I'm just yeah, saying like, yeah. I'm not ever going to go to my boyfriend's family's Christmas dinner and just like not, I don't have to tap dance, but I'm certainly not going to take all my problems and issues and like sit there with a tears in my eyes or with a like, (laughs) fuck you look on my face. Like, otherwise don't, I just think it's one of those times where yes, if we're with our own family, sure. But I do think that there's, if you're going to a family friends or like, I think there is a modicum of like sort of manners where you don't just like shit on everybody. Yeah, you're not going to dump your shit on them, but you don't have to be totally false. It's that finding yeah. that middle way, not not the all or nothing, black or white. It's kind of finding something in the middle. And a lot of what happens, especially to Drew now that he's been in therapy for a while, is we're just, we're, we're calibrating this. It's like, okay, so there's one extreme over there. There's the other extreme over there. And how do we find 
some sense of center. And he's just kind of coming to that where I want to be able to be comfortable and not put up the front and not just tell everybody everything that's going on. Like, how can I just be cool, truly cool? And I think that comes from being okay with yourself, right? And even if you're yeah. not okay, being okay with being not okay to show up to the holidays. Yeah, I think, and on that note, I there was this big, big part of this episode where, and it, I finally realized it started to hit me as soon as he started talking about his brother's wife. And then I was just like, okay, Drew, like, chill the fuck out. You don't have to like everybody or always be this like, a, and you, and then you sort of brought it up and hmm. said, he said, well, you know, I'm always going to love her as family. And I'm thinking like, do you actually, do you actually love her as family? Cause like, <laughs> I, I don't, it's not a necessity. Like there's a lot of people I think who's like, at what point did you start to love her? Your brother literally just got married. You hadn't talked to him in 20 years, like right. or however long. Are you just throwing that out there because now all of a sudden she's family and that is what we do. <laughs> we love people or right. Cause he was going so hard with like, and then you said, well, t I don't know how you said it. Something like, well, to you is everybody in the world family. Bro, yeah, he said, that, yeah. Looking at the whole world, and I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of what I'm like. You'd love everyone in the world, because like I don't. <laughs> it's just this thing where he's always trying, and I respect. You it. don't hate everybody in the world, not at you, all. You have some, right? You not have some you know, decorum. You, you have some sense of, of how course. to be, but it's also it comes from who you are and how you are. Like you know yes. yourself pretty darn well. Yes, right. In spite of what you might joke about, we know you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that. The, and there, there are two points that I was making with him. One is, and that's where I thought you were going, is that, you know, that might be your family, but they're not necessarily your friends. Yeah. It's okay. However you want to be with your family comes from you and how you want to be, not, oh, I have to be this way for my family. That's not for you. But you're not going to go out there and just, you know, like you said, have fuck you written across my head. Right. And, uh, okay, how can I be there? And I said, how they respond is out of your control. All you can do is show up as yourself. That's when I made the leap to the whole world is kind of your family. You can love the whole world. You can love people in general. And that for him, being a good Christian, which I said in this episode, uh -huh. being a good Christian is important for him. So you can be that and be that way and love them in that sense. But they're not necessarily your friends. Not everybody needs to be your friend that way. No. And with the brother's wife, just using her as an example, I'm like... Would you take a bullet for her? Do you know what I mean? I, there's a difference between, I mean, I love my brother-in-law to death. Love, love, love him. Would I take a bullet for him? Right. Mm, I just don't know. Right. Enough to think about that. But like, so when you're just like, I mean, I totally love her. Like, okay. Just wondering why he feels the need to have to be so quote unquote good or be a good person or love or whatever, just because this yeah. person is now somehow like connected into his life. You can be a super nice person. You can be a good friend. You can be whatever, but that doesn't mean that you have to, I don't know. It was just that whole sort of thing. He was talking about a little bit, of, a little bit sort of about karma. He didn't say karma, mm. but what comes around goes around with his like AK 47 friend. Right. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and what you're describing, like, why, why is he like that? What's going on? I got two words for you. Co-dependence. Mm -hmm. I guess that's one word. I think but so. But it, it's, yeah, it is. But it, it's that codependent feeling. 
Yeah. It's I need I need them to not abandon me. I need them to to love me back or I right. I need to love them so they so we have this connection and it's it's something that when somebody becomes your family or is your family how you're supposed to be is yes, I love them, they love me, they won't go away, they'll never go away. But he hasn't had that ex- he doesn't know what it's like to just have somebody be family and be like, yeah, whatever, they're family, it's cool. Right. It's very black or white for him. Like the it's either codependent or abandoned. It's either I'm talking to my mom every day. Right. Or she's OD. Yeah. I'm talking exactly. to my brother and we have a great relationship and I have a relationship with his wife and we're having Thanksgiving dinner. Or he's saying he's never going to talk to me again if I go outside and help my mom. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just thought it was... And then he started talking about having a smaller friend group. And I was like, yes, this happens and it feels good and it feels weird. But as we get older and he was saying, it's not like he's feeling shitty if he doesn't hear from them for a week or whatever, like he would before and he would personalize it. Sounds like he's checking the facts now. And he's sort of enjoying the the not feeling responsible, a responsibility to have to reach out to them. And I was like, yeah, it's so great. Nobody has enough time for all those like peripheral acquaintances to keep, to keep that up. Right. And that's, that's, and I even said to him like there, and that's not feeding the codependence piece. Exactly. Right. And that's something that he understands because we've talked about it now and he's recognizing it and he's going, Oh, right. And he's starting to put it together. Like I don't have to be dependent on their reactions, them loving me and they're not dependent. And that love from them isn't dependent on me giving something to them you right. know, or giving them my all. And then, then he talked about gift giving again, Yeah, you know, which we've talked about a few times. Right? I love that though. I love this whole conversation you guys had because he said that he doesn't, didn't, he doesn't feel like he has to buy love this year. And I was thinking yeah. about it and I'm like, do I buy love? No, I just love, <laughs> I love giving presents. I love getting presents. I've talked about it on here before. I love mm-hmm. little token, anything that's a, a thought, just a little thought. I thought about you. Here's a fucking sticker. Right. I saw anything. So I, I just thought though, that eventually he came to background to why is it important to him? Because he wants other people to know he's thinking about them and right. not, right. not monetarily, not, it could be anything. And that's why I love, you know, one of my languages of love is, is receiving gifts because it tells me that someone's thinking about me. Right. It's not about right. the gift. It could be anything. And and by the way, I feel like we should name this episode Read the Card First. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, <laughs> read the card first. And the thing that I was like, oh, here's the title, is when we talked about how important it is for people to know that I'm thinking about them. That's why the card is important. And he was like, yeah, I still have a box of all the cards that I used to get. I was like, yeah, don't we, I'm really married. Don't we all have like that shoebox of memories? I also wrote that. I wrote that as the name yep. of an episode too. And then the other That's one I thought would be about. an amazing fucking, when he said, you know, enjoying the moment, like lick my lollipop type of shit, you know? I was like, yeah, dude, <laughs> lick my lollipop type of shit, faux show. So reading the card first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So true. Reading the card first, having the sentiment, knowing it. And then it, it's almost about just the card, not even the gift. I mean, the gifts are nice. Yes, we yeah. like that too. It's that that sentiment means so much. And it's when, you know, when I 
told him the story. I want to say Niagara Falls, but it wasn't. It was Mount Rainier that he went yeah. to as a kid. Yes, yeah, so uh, good. I don't know why I have Niagara Falls on my head, but you know, know. whatever. <laughs> but the, it, it's something about... It was such a cute little story. Right? And and having that that experience and, and having something that marks the experience, and he put it together, and it was it was really cool in the session to see, like you could see the memories flooding mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. As he was talking about it, and he was like, yeah, I had this, you know, little wooden thing. And then I had this knife and I, and I made this thing out of it. And I, I did that. And then my dog chewed it up. And, and I'm thinking at the same time, oh, right. That's like when you had your blankie and your mom yep. washed it and it shredded. And he's trying to hold on to and preserve the thing. But what's more important, I think, is that memory that you hold with you. Sure. And holding that memory and realizing that it's it was really neat. And he, he's kind of going like, right, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting together the timeline with these objects and yeah. associating that with love. Yeah. And then when we talked about the lollipop and the shoebox of memories, he's like, right, it really is about the connections and the sentiment and, and that. And it's, yeah, it's really cool. It is. Yeah. And we go through these things and we're like, oh my God, you know, right. we'll sit with my sister. Oh my God, do you remember this? That time when dad, blah, 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 or, you know, it is, yeah. there's just these tangible things. Of course, there's tons of memories that you don't have to have, but it's nice when you have something that you pull out and you're like, holy shit, do you remember this? Oh man. I, I still have my shoebox of memories, literally a shoebox oh. you know, with like random stuff yeah. in it. Me and, too. and I love it. And there was something, I pulled this out on the podcast a while ago. I had a a little like, I think it's called an M80, like a firecracker thing mm-hmm. that I showed you, right? And that was one. And I called my buddy Chris because he's the one who got it and had it. That was like from eighth grade. Yeah. You know, crazy. we were 13 years old and I still have this some like 30 something years later. It was crazy, like wild. But th- those are so fun to have those memories and, and share that with people. And then... <laughs> He said a line. I was like, oh my God, Meredith is going to hit the freaking floor when she hears this line. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Should I screen share and make you read it out loud? Yeah. You will absolutely recognize it as soon as you see it. There's no way you did not catch this and have a reaction. Oh, I'm getting older as I'm passing this hump of 25 and getting to the other side and feeling it. Yeah, sucker. <laughs> You're getting so old. <laughs> <laughs> get to the other side 25 i'm getting to the other side yeah of what of, of what? 20s like or like you're halfway to 50 like what, what are you talking about what are you i talking know about? it's so funny that's, i was like you feeling it yeah it's, you gotta it's gotta he must be really slowing down now <laughs> so fucking funny i love that stuff yeah that was great that but was i think great. it was you guys eventually sort of talked about corny as it may sound like the true gift that you give is you it's yourself yeah whether it's the words that are representative of you or time that you spend or whatever it is it's that's the idea I mean sure if I'm walking down the street and someone throws me a diamond necklace that I don't know it's just the gift right right right, great right it has nothing to do with the person they just kept walking and I'm like thank you Short of that though. Right. What he was kind of saying also with some of this stuff is being remembered, not just the experience, but he was talking about mortality. Yeah. And that's as funny as it might seem to us being on the other side of 25, you know, and he's starting to feel it, but he is thinking about what the impact I want to have on the world is Mm -hmm. and how I want to be remembered and that I want to be remembered and kind of looking at that for him 
and recognizing, yeah, that's important. I think he's a little young to be thinking about the legacy he leaves behind. Right. But the kind of person he is and the mark that he wants to leave, he realizes very well that, you know, we could die at any moment. So he wants to totally really be the way he wants to be, experience the way he wants to experience and leave an impression. 100%. He said, when death comes, I hope I find you living or something. He referenced that statement. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah. I like that. I love that one. I love that one. He and I talk about it sometimes and we we don't keep it on the podcast because it's about the podcast where he really says that he loves that he's doing this. You know, he loves that he's putting something out there and that it's resonating with people and that people are getting something out of his life experience. Right. Because this is, I mean, this is an episode to you guys. This is a, for all intents and purposes, a show. It's entertaining, but it's also educational to some degree. Right. It's his life. It's his therapy. Yeah. And just knowing that it's having this, this impact and creating a sense of community, he loves it. It really does play into this is part of the impact I want to have and a memory that I want to leave. Yeah. And total, total gratitude for him allowing us to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful for him and for Sarah on the main podcast. Yeah. Every week still to this day. And and Drew thinks it's funny because I will say to him right before the, like as the session's starting, we have a little, Hey, hello. And I say, are you, are you okay to keep recording? And I say it very earnestly. And Almost every time now, he's like, oh, yeah, I already hit record. I'm good. Like, <laughs> okay. You know, you know, you you can say stop at any time. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Come on, let's let's go. You know, oh, but it's I love that. Every week I do that. And it's funny that he's just, he's so into this, yeah. you know, in that way. Uh-huh. It's cool. It's very cool. And I hope you guys, I really do hope you guys are getting something out of it. And I'm glad that you guys are here on the Patreon listening and continuing with Drew because it's, it's not like, oh, his season's over cool. That was a cool season. Now what other show is on? This is again, his life. Yeah, it's exactly. What he's doing. No. And it's, and, and he's still mid COVID, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Crazy. Yep. Oh yeah. I don't even think we've gotten to that part yet, but. Oh no, we have, I started listening to the next episode. Yeah. Right. Mini spoiler. <laughs> no spoiler, no spoiler, but yeah. So stick around. We will be back. Yeah, I would say like, and and there's going to be new stuff and all that. You guys are going to hear all of it first. Like, we're so glad that you're with us on the Patreon. Totally. You guys are the shit. You are (laughs) the shit. Like you're, I mean, these, these are the diehards of the diehards. So I appreciate you guys very much. And uh, we'll be back at you next week. Okay, Bye. bye.